a prophecy. The concept makes me think of fictional novels about destined heroes or doomed villains. But this writing hook actually has roots in real history, and my expert today brings us not one, but two prophecies about our planet. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Dr. Anita Sanchez. Anita is part indigenous North American and partly belongs to another set of tribes. She grew up in a family that promoted deeper connections with the world around them, and is on the show today to share how that connection might just rescue the world's mindset, given the chaotic disconnect that we live in. And just to amplify the importance behind hearing this lesson, even if you aren't sold on it yet, Anita was paid to teach these same lessons to Richard Branson and other mega-level executives. Let's hear a prophecy. Welcome to the show, Anita Sanchez. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. And I am um, coming to you from Colorado. I'm in the foothills of beautiful Rocky Mountains, and it's a sunny day. And um, my ancestry is indigenous. I'm half indigenous, and Nahua is part of that, which most people know as Aztec. And I'm also uh, part from the Southwest, a desert tribe, which I have no stories about and from the Amazon. So for those of you who think experts know everything about themselves and everything else, I'm clearly one that does not. (laughs) Yes, you've got a bit of of diversity in there to uh, embrace. I like that. So what got you into like looking into your different backgrounds or, you know, embracing some of that? Well, growing up, um, I grew up in um, a very large family, 120 first cousins, so it gives you an idea. And um, there was always, we were always being taught about indigenous perspective, which was very different than what I got in school. And so I'd come home very upset, even as a little girl going, mom, you know, they said the president of our country is George Washington, but you know, but when we go to ceremony and we're in powwow, they say this other thing. And you know, and she would always just answer, Anita, if you wanna get A's, answer out there the way they want you to, but when you come home, we can talk about the truth. So is this country, you know, this United States is quite diverse, made of diverse people and diverse experiences, but I love differences and similarities. So very young, I dreamt, and I knew I was supposed to connect hearts all over the world at age three. I still have that dream. It's come to fruition. And so it makes sense that whatever you're going to do, there's something calling you to do it for yourself. So I need to find out all the different parts of myself what I like, what I don't, what I, can I embrace it? Can I transform it? Can I just accept it? Whatever it is. And then I love doing that uh, out in the larger world with, I must, mainly I do it with corporations, global corporations, but some entrepreneurs as well. Um, Just teaching them, um, helping support them to learn about any kind of doing requires some inner work. So some well-being inspires well-doing. And that, all kind of just came from your upbringing to help like spread that message. Totally, totally. Cause um, my, well, it's kind of interesting cause I, I have a PhD, however, I'm the first in my family to ever have one. 
And my mother had a seventh grade education and my grandmother, I don't think she went to school ever. And yet she was my biggest teacher. And um, she would teach us one of the fundamental things uh, about being indigenous and understanding who we are and what we are, which is a big question in a lot of fields, was to understand we are part of everything, that we're part of one hoop of life. So I have a great story if you let me show it, share it. It's just a short one, but I think it's really fun and we can kind of use it for today in our lives. Uh, you don't have to be indigenous or call yourself that to, to have use of it. But one weekend I was staying at her house and I was four, my little sister was two, so gosh, she was really little. My older sister was seven. She said, we're going to wake up early before the sun rises, which I do regularly, but started doing it then. And we're going to go to my garden. It's August. It's hot. You're sweaty. It's Missouri, muggy. And every hour you're going to come back and for five minutes, you're going to be quiet and you're just going to be with my sunflowers. And so you can imagine I go, we go there, the sun comes up and we're being sunflowers. And every hour we come back for five minutes and we're slowly turning facing the sun, just like the sunflowers are doing all day long. And it was really cool. I mean, I was only four. I don't know how my two-year-old sister did it, but I remember her being there because we kind of just did what my grandma said because she, she was kind of really smart, even though she never went to school. And, um, and then when we went to dinner, it was dark. So we'd go and eat. And I was just like sort of bummed. Then she said, come on. And so she took a flashlight, didn't turn it on, but just took us out back by the garden again. There was no moon out. It was really dark. And then she turned the light onto the ground and the four of us were like in a little circle facing each other. Then she moved the flashlight over to the sunflowers and they were all facing each other. And then she took us in and we went to bed. And my grandmother did not debrief things. <laughs> you just got to do the learning on your own. But you just that, that story I share in so many C-suites in so many communities in the Amazon. I'll have a great story to tell you later about where I just been because it was pretty exciting. Um, and there's so much, it's like, hey, guess what? Every day is a new day. Oh my gosh, you could have lots of troubles, but just keep following the light. And in when there's no light and there's darkness, I'm just saying very simple, there's so many layers of this that you could learn that you have each other because we're to each other, we're community. We're, none of us are solely on our own. We're not. We couldn't live without the sun. We couldn't live without the water that you and I are drinking a lot from being dehydrated the last few days. Um, but so these kind of indigenous kinds of learnings from who are the first scientists all over the world, great observers, now are being retold in modern science ways of that life is intimately interconnected and that we do nothing alone. And that's really an exciting way to live. Yeah, and that's kind of a great message to get there. And there's a lot of layers, like you said, to these things. Does it take a lot to kind of get people to embrace these lessons without being able to you know, take them out into the sunflowers and just like experience them? <laughs> well, some of them do, though. You got it, Colton. Some of them actually go out there. And why not go out there and, and just test it for yourself? And they're like, wow, because nothing else would you learn that all of us who actually are all of us are indigenous because originally way back, even if you've forgotten your ties uh, from your ancestors, we all are made of earth, water, the minerals, stardust. I mean, we're all that. And it's just a very fraction of 1% that makes the differences in colors and all that kind of stuff that we have. So yeah, it, it doesn't really take much. And what I find is mostly through little stories 
people light up because even if they didn't have that story, they kind of go, oh, yeah, I remember a day I woke up or, well, I realized, you know, my problems are still there. I still stressed out, but it is a new day. So maybe, maybe, no, I don't know if I believe it, but maybe <laughs> it's going to be a better day, you know? <laughs> yeah. So is there kind of like one highest lesson that if you're like, if I only get to sit down with these people once, like this is the one I want to make sure that they take home with them? Yeah. So this leads to a real, you're catching me on a real up, even though I just had a stomach bug for a couple of days. But uh, a week ago, I just got back from a place I never expected to go to. And that was to Necker Island. And I, I didn't know what Necker Island was. I, I'm seeing from your face, you don't either. No. Uh, so a few weeks ago, I got this text saying, you're invited to come to Necker Island, the private island owned by Sir, Sir Richard Branson. And we want you to speak. Uh, and we want you to speak on the new earth. We want you to speak on indigenous wisdom for these times when you know, so much is unfolding. What is what is an indigenous perspective to what's going on? So I went, gorgeous, is gorgeous in the British Virgin Island. And and as I was sitting there, I didn't prepare anything because I was just gonna allow after seeing them, seeing the place, it would tell me what to go into. And so what came forward, I, I feel probably is pretty appropriate here as well for your listeners. And that is to share uh, a prophecy that's been told all over the world. So it's not not only in the U.S., although it is Hopis have told it, Mohicans have told it, in Latin America, Nahua people have told it. But I also understand it in uh, Australia, parts of Africa. And it goes like this. Horrible things are happening in the world. You know, there's a war and destruction or stories of you know, the, the earth has become in, infertile and the trees are dying or you can't breathe in this place, uh, the oceans. And spirit tells the two-leggeds, the human beings, the response is, do your dance, sing your songs, be in ceremony, be in community. And then we go, they go on and it's like another whole sequence, genocide. They're coming, they're killing us. Um, 6% of the world's population now is indigenous, 2% in the U.S. And genocide still is going on in parts of the world to indigenous people. And so we're, we're hearing this. And what does spirit say? Spirit says, do your songs, sing your songs, do your dance, be in ceremony, be in community. And I know this may sound crazy to people. When I was a little girl and heard that, I just took it in. I just knew the truth of it. Yeah, things are really horrible and I need to do these other things. But then when I started to get a little bit older, my late teens and my 20s, I'm like, now, wait a minute, I got to dissect this thing. That's crazy. All this crap is happening in the world. All these people are suffering and animals, species are dying. And you're telling me to sing my songs, do my dance, be in ceremony, be in community. And then as I look deeper into that, oh, my gosh, talk about a major story of resilience, a major story of why for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years as indigenous people have been the attempts to exterminate us um it hasn't worked it hasn't worked because we continue to realize to know to pass on the original instruction that we're part of everything and that in order to have harmony and balance we need to remember that the earth spirit 
human beings, all of nature, all of it is connected and we do nothing alone. So that that is the biggest one. And so I shared that in this community uh, at Necker with business people, a group called Maverick and Richard Branson was there later as well. And they really got into it. It's like, oh, and I said, yeah, that's what I find in some of the clients that I work with too. They just sort of like, you mean we're not supposed to just keep suffering? You mean we were supposed to just not do anything? I said, I didn't say that. What, what is being told to us from spirit is that we have to do about our inner well-being in order to do what's out here. And what's happening is that if we are separated, we have that illusion of separate, that Colton is just Colton, you just go for it for yourself, and Anita's just needed, and think that nothing in, is connected, well, we've just been stripped of that thing from a little bug that came from Asia and all around the world that, hey, we all impact each other and we can impact each other in bad ways or we can impact each other in good ways. Sometimes it's accidental, sometimes it's on purpose, but the reality is we are intimately interconnected and science, biologists, quantum physicists, just going down the line are all saying what indigenous people have known for some time is that we need to care for each other, starting with ourselves, to love and care for ourselves, other people, all of nature, all the elements, everything. That it, that is the part of the, if not the main thing of the original instruction. But that's really the main thing that, um, and everything can derive from that. And so my, my rational mind continues to jump in and want to dissect it. And so I go ahead and do that. Just, that's fine because I go in places where they're going to ask me questions like that. But I also check in with the intuitive, the feeling part of me. And I go, you know what? If somebody says, wow, you're really stressed out. It's not a bad thing to start with. Well, you know, wiggle a little bit, sing a little bit, hum, you know, gratitude, be in ceremony. Some people think, well, but only indigenous people. No, no, no. Other people have ceremony. Some people do it with coffee in the morning. Yawn. To learn to take some deep breaths, all those kinds of things, and be in community, which we always are. Yeah. Do you think that part of this, like, you know, everyone is kind of having a, a tough time out here, do you think it's because we don't see ourselves that way? We don't see ourselves as, you know, part of a community. Like we are either isolated or we're disconnected or we're divided from each other. I think you've got it. I think you're hitting it. I think that I won't say it's the only. I have a hard time doing that, but I think it's a major thing is this illusion of separateness that that is crazy making. So from as an indigenous girl, very early on, I just breathing, I was always when I get too wild to be like, wouldn't be like spank you or shut up or anything like that, but it's like breathe and often go outside and breathe and just, and just breathing. And then an uncle or my grandma or my mom or somebody say, thank the trees, thank the, your green relatives, your plant relatives, because they're taking this stuff, they never said carbon. They're taking this stuff that you put out and they're giving you back oxygen. And you get to live, so you care for them. There's this reciprocity. They didn't use that word either. That was until I was older. But there's this flow that happens. They would use that word. There's this exchange. We're caring for each other. And so same thing with water. You and I are drinking this water because we're dehydrated. I'm going to have a sip. Mini Wikoni came up a few years ago 
where um, the indigenous words means water is life. And so the protecting indigenous people, protecting those sacred water, all the waterways, because we need water to live. You try to, you can do without electricity. It's not fun. I've done it living in the mountains, not this house, but uh, earlier ones. But to live without water, you can't do it. Yeah, you can't do it. So I think you're right. It's separation. It's separation not only from the other human beings that are around, but we've separated totally from like not even thinking about water as a relative or the plants as relatives, even though guess what we all need? Nutrition. Uh, so we're eating those relatives and thank them. So everything pretty much growing up on the good part of how I was brought up was that it was actually all a ceremony. And it was all part of being this member of this amazing hoop of life where everything here that you need is here. And it doesn't mean you don't have problems. We're economically poor, you know, and to this day, I'm doing lots better, of course. However, there are days I'm pulling my hair, for those who you know, can only listen, I'm pulling my hair out from my head because it's like, you know, we're not all looking neat and tidy all the time. Who doesn't have a huge list? Who doesn't have that? But it's not to just say, well, stuff it. It's like, no, name it, look at it, and then look at what to be grateful for and then come back and deal with this and then honor what you're part of and then come back and deal with it. But it's crazy making. It's stressful. Suicide's on the uptick. If you're coming for, you have nothing to grab onto. You don't have this understanding that you are part of something much bigger, something that is supporting you and every second that you are living and when you know that, then you sort of realize, wow, I have a lot more freedom. So I can show up at a place like Necker with all these um, amazing people who are doing things in the world and, and just trust that it was going to show up what I needed to say. Well, and it feels like, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, we, we've lost our tribe. Like we are not, we're not a community anymore because we've spread out so much. We're, you know, while, while we got this global access right we can reach to anyone on the globe at any time we've kind of you know like you've said forgotten the things around us like that both the people near us and to just like embrace existing <laughs> we're like we're it, i don't have enough time to embrace my existence i gotta keep moving <laughs> exactly it's those to-do lists it's that we get rewarded also i mean i get rewarded like how many how many podcasts have you done how many been interviewed how many books have you written? How many, how many, how many? And I have messages because I'm really committed to amplifying indigenous wisdom. So I am doing a lot of that, but I also have to just slow down and say, no, you know, I'm also a human being, not just a human doing. And what happens out here and what I do is a direct reflection of how I'm being. So if I'm trying to do stuff and I've got a bug or I've got, you know, whatever, dehydration like you and I were talking about, and stuff, then you're, you're, you're just not going to perform as well. You might pull through for a little bit of time, but you start getting into sickness and depression, all the different things that are happening when people are not, as I call, upending the, the stress that's part of life. Because I think it'd be a lie to say, oh, you can do things so you'll never experience stress again. That would be a lie. Now I'm pulling out my hair from my, from my head again. That, that's just not true. But there are plenty of first of all from your own understanding your own worldview look at your assumptions about what what you are and who you are and if they're working for you then keep it if they're not then do some exploration i'm so delighted your your listeners are from all over the world because 
the, a lot of other places aren't as wildly separation as the U.S. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist everywhere, but we have our own take on this. And so draw on the wisdom that is inside of you that knows, wait a minute, I know I couldn't be here without the water, without the plants, without my mom, my dad. You know, even if you have a dysfunctional family, gratitude, you at least brought me in the world. Um, you know, there's always something there. And then maybe you have to do your own work and separate from them some because it's not functional. But maybe, maybe you just are one of the people that came in and you have the family and community, in which case you could open up to others too. And that I've seen in my family and indigenous communities opening up more and more to non-indigenous people because we just we know one that fits with our our worldview and two all the challenges that are happening climate change economic uncertainty uh just on and on social unrest we we need to figure this out quickly of how we want to be and do together so we actually are here. I don't like going doing gloom because I don't think it's all over. Even though some scientists would say we've reached the tipping point, I, I just don't. I don't. It's more than a belief. I you know. Um, we are also the two-legged people, the human beings who who imagine things, who can dream. And I'm sure you've had some dreams, and I've had some dreams. I thought really, and then they came true. And and you go well. There you go. And a lot of our inventions started with people's dreams so i tell people dream away daydream too teachers might not like it but i think all that dreaming is necessary because hopelessness is is not what we want we need some dreaming yeah and it almost sounds like in order to connect with everyone else around us we need to you know have a good look inside to say like who is this person walking around because i feel like it's really hard to connect with people if you don't have a good like image on even who you are, what you are. Like I, I have certainly had those moments in my life where like I've gone through a major career change or a major change as a person. And I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking like, have I just lost my identity as a person? You know, who, who do I even present to other people now? Oh, that's so real. I, I, I totally get that because it's, well, yeah, there's different expectations that are, are, are of us. So here's a funny one. So I'm the only one in my family wanted a PhD and just went for it. And it, it, it did help me to get into doors to teach what I teach, which I don't think they would if I didn't have those three letters. And then I can bring in other people that don't have those three letters. Um, but also elders will look at me and say, there's something when they don't see my whole name with the, the you know, the letters. There's something else about you. And I say, well, I did go to a lot of school. They go, uh-huh. I said, yeah, I have a PhD in organization development. They go, oh, too bad. And what they're really saying is they, they understand. Like, I needed that to, to get to the places I needed to, to take the messages. But what they were saying is that some of the teaching that we've had is not really treating us well. It's not a treat at all. You know, to say, you know, pull yourself by your own bootstraps and it doesn't matter what you say to someone you just tell them the truth. And it's like, well, yeah, you'd be authentic, but there's a way of being that can be with kindness and love, still tackling the hard truth of what's going on. And that's what family, functional family, functional community, and people can create their own new nuclear families. And the key thing is to do that. 
even just starting with one or two people, or actually some people who are really low trust because of all the traumas they've had early on. Um, and I've, I've experienced those of abuse and, and my father was race related murder when I was 13. So there's all sorts of things. It's not like all of us have different things, varying degrees of what have happened, but you just have to find a way to trust. So what I began trusting was the elders that I trusted that I was learning since a little girl and I trusted nature, but I wasn't so sure about trusting some other folks because well, they seem to want to hurt me. And, and so it's not about throwing away your discernment. Oh, I care for people. I love people. No, you have to be discerning. Not everyone has earned the right to be in the front row seat of your life. They have to be about their healing work, their forgiveness work, learning how to be in unity, learn how to, how to dream, to be in hope. Uh, those are four gifts that is another prophecy that is taught to us, the Eagle Who prophecy about how do we restore harmony and balance in our own lives and our relationship to other people, nature and everything. And these are the four gifts. They said back in the nineties, it's a younger prophecy that said, we need to have human beings all over the world, not just indigenous, start integrating these four gifts. And if you integrate these four gifts, the promise is you'll remember, you'll remember how to be in community to create harmony and balance. And so I've been teaching those gifts since 95 when I received them. Um, from C-suites to living rooms to in the middle of the Amazon where I go once a year. And those people who begin integrating them in their life, or they already have them and they just start using them more, they go, wow. I said, yeah, isn't it amazing? That truth, no matter what the tradition is around the world, some of that ancient living wisdom still holds true. Well, and that's one of those, that, like, if we give up on those those ideas right like forgiveness healing unity hope if we give up on those like this all is falling apart right? like, we, we are too big a society to just like stop trusting each other to stop caring about each other to stop like you know caring about our future like we are we are too many for that yeah and it's and, and all of it it's not necessarily to start with the hard parts of any of it so i'm totally agree we're in agreement around that and start with little things like people some people will go forgiveness forgiving the unforgivable and they'll go oh i can't forgive that I, you know don't pick the hardest thing forgive the little things build the muscle like oh my gosh did you really you know my husband of 49 years did you really forget my birthday our anniversary again well let's start with those kind of forgivenesses you know you don't have to start with you know annihilation genocide of a whole group of people you need to work up to that we need to get to a place where we forgive but forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting i used to think that it's no i'm never going to forget the tough things that happened to me but they don't control me they don't trigger me i just oh yeah i know you and it may allow me to build the muscles of compassion and others and energy to change systems and structures so we don't have those kinds of violations so we can reduce and if not initially eliminate them, hopefully, uh, in the future. So that's really what it's about. It's a it's a pathway to your freedom. Who doesn't want to be free these days? Like, please give me a break, just even 15 minutes, let alone freedom, the big freedom. Um, but forgiveness is a pathway to that. It's a pathway to loving yourself because who wants to hang down to inner negative energy? Because it, it seeps out in other places. Uh, Mandela uh, was, the one, I think, the one that said that 
not forgiving is like drinking poison and thinking is poisoning the the enemy or somebody you don't you haven't forgiven it's, it's it doesn't work it doesn't make any sense um but uh i also had an elder lakota elder basil braveheart and i'm dropping some names because it's not just dropping names in our culture it's really honoring them and recognizing them and basil braveheart is this amazing loving king of forgiveness elder in the lakota tradition and he, um, I saw him a number of years ago at a Sundance and he came over and said, oh, you're the forgiveness lady. And I said, well, you're kind of known as the forgiveness guy too, you know? And he goes, yeah, but there's one other thing you left out of your book. And I said, tell me, I mean, I'm, I'm eager to learn all the time. And he said, it's right, it's for, forgive folks because it's a pathway to, your, to freedom. It's a pathway to unconditional love of yourself. You know, you, you take back all your energy to use for what you really want, not what you don't want. And then it is also the passcode to your own divinity. And when he said that, you know, my hair on my arms just kind of kinked up a little bit. And I said, oh, my goodness, I think you're right, because I know there's something greater, too. I'm, I'm here grounded on this earth. I know there's things to do and how to be to be in right relationship. But it's more than that too. You know, I am my, I can bring in my dreams. I can uh, innovate things that we don't still, we try to come up with grounded ways, um, understanding things um, that just intuitively come. So I love that it's your passcode to your own divinity. And part of indigenous teachings is also is that you Colton, everyone listening, me, everything is sacred in the soup of life. It doesn't mean we always operate in a sacred way, but we all are sacred. And so when I can start from there and see myself that way, it allows me the ability to see another. And then you use discernment and other things, but you all the while filling your cup, caring for yourself, and then serving others. My grandmother used to make canela tea and she would overflow the teacup into the saucer. And then if one of us ran out, she goes, share, share. And so that you would take your saucer and share it with our sister or our brother, because you don't want to be depleted, but you also don't want to not do anything. If suffering's happening, of course you want to use whatever resources, but you don't want to join in the depletion. That's not going to help. We are meant to be joyful. We're meant to sing our songs, do our dance, be in ceremony and be in community. And there's a bit of like learning to swim aspect of this, where it's like when you learn to swim, I guess there's two ways to think about it. Most people get into the shallow end and they learn to swim like, you know, where there's no danger. They're starting to forgive very small things. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other people who jump into the deep end and some of them can't figure it out and they have to get rescued. And then some people like that's what works for them. Maybe they can jump into the deep end, but that is the few and far between, and you shouldn't yes. try and do that part. You should just embrace no, the shallow end of the pool. <laughs> yeah. No, I, well, actually, I never learned to swim, but I was trusting enough that my beginning class at the university afterwards was the um, life-saving group. And so they said, you, you, you trust us. It's really great to save a real person. Could you just jump off the board? And I would do it, and they would save me every time. Um, but that is not the way to learn to swim. Uh, I still go back to the shallow end and keep trying to learn to swim. <laughs> so that's just it. I mean, I think the other thing that's wonderful is that 
even though they're talking about one hoop of life or all there's diversity within this. And that's the kind of sad part too, is that people like, like difference is bad, saying even diversity is bad. Like, what are you talking about? You know, do you only want to eat oranges? Like you don't want the apples and the blueberries and the, I mean, that's crazy. Well, don't, why would you just want one? It doesn't make sense. Um, I think part of that, I don't know. Uh, as I talk to some people, they just say they want to be comfortable. A lot of people say just follow the money with the problems that's happening with the stress and other things that are in the separation that's occurring. But the other is just kind of being wanting to just be comfortable. And for me, I don't know, I think about comfort. If that's at all rings true for some of you listening or for you, Colton, is that what my, the elders have taught me is that they had me actually make a list. <laughs> what, when have you had the most growth and fun? And was comfort one of the high values of it? It really wasn't. <laughs> I think it's part of that has seeped in as a high value. So when I travel to other places in Africa or in Asia or Latin America, and they're like, I'm about to go in June to back to the Amazon. I go once a year. I'm so excited. I haven't been for three years. But, um, you know, they're like, they ask, you know, about the, they're like, why, what's this comfort? What, how did this value of comfort come about? And yet for us who are like, first world developers like what do you mean it's all about come and give me this and give me this and give me and then when you got that then you got to have more and more and more and then you're stressed out because you can't you know and then you you have to turn everything on its up end you just turn it upside down and look at like really who you are what it comes back to those basic questions again and i'm starting to see in some education they're starting to teach some of that which is really good and science is starting to teach a whole lot more about our interconnection so yeah i think some of these uh, prophecies, even though they may not uh, ring to, and I like people to go from their own tradition, spiritual, earth-based, whatever they are, is fine. Uh, but just keep keep being curious and learning. And what I find is there's far more interconnection between all of us, far more similarities and differences, at least as I've traveled. And then, and then I'm not a denier. There's some like really that just seems so problematic. And what I was taught is they're still sacred beings, and so you just go. You don't get to have a front row seat in my life or a second or third. You don't even get to be in my building, but I'm going to send you love outside the building. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it kind of sounds like we have, we have an ultimate goal to reach, right? This like yes. unity and connection and everything. What is our next big step forward? Like, is it, you know, we have to all individually get to a certain level or is there something we can do? as a collective consciousness, as everyone that hears this even? Like, yeah. is there a next big step forward? I think there is. The collective is really needed. So it's the individual work needs to happen, but we, when we know that it can't happen without the individual work, but it is happening collectively. So it means coming together in any way you can. Um, and it can start just with your immediate family and using those four gifts, forgiveness, healing, unity, and hope, you know, and don't expect to arrive today if there's lots of, I mean, just keep that because you're working it on yourself is too. But the collective, yes, I think people, there's, um, there's a joy and responsibility in Azteca, Nahua tradition um, is always about community. And so what we're taught is that it's both joy, you get the greatest joy doing it in community because you reap the greatest benefits when we collectively do what we need to do to clean up our oceans, to stop the speed, 80%, 80% of the large fish species are gone. 
And I'm, and here I'm worried about like, well, I love sushi. Like, am I, how much longer am I going to have sushi? Or my children or my children's children and my children's children, are they going to have any of that? Um, you know, that we need to do something broader about that, saving the force. I think with the fires that were happening in, in like the Amazon, people began to hear. I had friends that have been talking since the 80s about it, and they came back and said, did you know that 20% of our oxygens comes from these big primary forests like the Amazon? And they not only give us that, but they create these floating rivers that affect the Earth's um, climate every part of the world. You know what? Great. Like, so, but collectively then do what you can on that. Use your vote, ask for bills, come together, clean up your local water, uh, find out where your water comes from and what are they putting in it. And, and, and you know, all of those kinds of things to, to ensure that we have a quality of life, that we have less things to stress us out about. I'm pulling out my hair because these really um, basic things that should bring us joy are kind of being questioned whether they're going to be around. And um, so we really need to take care of that. And I really want the young people, you're com young compared to me, but especially the young people, like they're learning lots of stuff. And some of them are, I seem pretty hopeful, like things are getting better and they can see us still collectively coming together to change things and care about people and say, no, it's not right. You can disagree with somebody and not call them an enemy or not want to take out a gun and shoot them. I mean, let's come on, let's stop this. But there are also some that are very depressing, like, what, what, are, what are, what's happening here? You know, so it is a time for us that I think that there is no, like you said, it's individual and it's collective. So look at what communities you belong to and what are, are they serving you? Are you serving them? What might else you do? If it's too many, go fewer. If it's not enough, go more. Um, I, you know, it's each of us, there's no one way. But there is, there is the collective way with all of us putting in together. I, I'm pretty hopeful about things. And I think that's, you know, a great thing to leave people with. I wanted to make sure I gave you some time here at the end to, you know, say where people can find you and the things you do and, you know, just everything if they're looking for more. Yes. Uh, well, you can find me. One is Upend um, Living School, um, Living Wisdom School, just Upend. U-P-E-N-D, and there are eight of us who are bringing um, traditional wisdom back in. So you can go upin.com. Uh, otherwise, you could go to foursacredgifts.com. That's F-O-U-R, sacredgifts.com. And there you can get uh, a free video about the gifts that I just told you about so you can remember them uh, and use them. I tell you more about my story. You can see that so they're really grounded. It's not just, oh, nice thinking. It's really, you know, here's the problem. And it takes some journeying to get there, but you can do it. And there's also a free song there. So I really believe in the singing the song. And so there's a song that was made for my book. I sing in it. I'm not a professional, so it's not real great. But my my voice, but mine is in the background. So foursacredgifts.com and upin.com. Uh, I think that would be uh, good places if you want to learn more. But I also want to just thank you, Colton, because I love the fact that you, I love the title of your, <laughs> it's just, you know, just dumb enough. It's just so, I just love it. I just think it frees someone up just to come on, but maybe if you're uptight expert, but um, no, I just think that I'm always growing and learning. So I love that. And that you draw such a diverse group because I think 
all of you are listening. We need all of us. Um, we're not the illusion of being separate by nations. Yes, we, we do live in these separate nations, but we also live on one earth and we got to figure it out fast uh, of how to care and really treat each other with dignity and all of these relatives, the plants and water and stuff that we need for life. So I believe in us. I believe that we can do that. And I just appreciate you giving this time to talk. Yeah, of course. And I've appreciated your time immensely. I mean, you know, thanks to to you and to people like you, you know, we get to to hear this higher diversity and to learn more things and to reach more people. And, you know, just we all get to grow because I would bet almost every person that listens to this episode doesn't have, you know, the life experience that you do. There's just no way. And so it's like, well, we get to hear that and we get to hear your message. And I think that's really important. And so please, you just said one last thing I've got to add. Every morning, how I start my day, and this will only fit for some of you if you're morning people, I wake up every day before the sun rises. And I go out and I just smile with my little golden retriever puppy and just receive the seeds of light. So don't look directly at the sun, but off to the side as the seeds of light come. And it just feels good. It's like a little kid receiving the light, but knowing that this is all part of giving you life. And then I sing a little bit. Nobody's around, so they can't hear me when I'm flat. And um, spirit doesn't mind anyway. And the neighbors are far enough away. So that you can always find a way. Whatever is your way, just do it. You deserve that time, whether it's 10 seconds or 30 minute meditation or whatever it is that you do and just keep breathing deeply because we need you here fantastic thank you again for being here thank you do you feel more educated after listening to this episode of the just dumb enough podcast if you enjoyed the episode please take a brief moment to rate the show five stars on itunes or spotify If you really like what I'm doing, remember to subscribe for more episodes every week and check out the over 100 episode backlog. Let me know what you'd like to hear next by reaching out and emailing me, dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com, or by sending a message to me on any of the show pages like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever else. I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. Mid-month ranking update. Number one, the United States, with New Jersey, California, and Illinois as top states. Quite the shuffle there. Number two, the United Kingdom. Number three, Australia, with New South Wales overtaking Victoria. Number four, Canada, with British Columbia holding the lead. And number five, New Zealand. Welcome back. That's it for today. I hope you all have a great week, and I'll see you back here on Thursday. Bye-bye.